back. Here we are once again to engage in some civil discourse. Civil discourse of the not a safe space type. Yeah, well, we're going to make some folks mad today. Angry is the, the word. We are, but what everyone is on the cutting board as far as I'm concerned. We, can, we have a, a wide swath of destruction. Yeah, these we next can. few weeks are going to be just, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's going to we say all that now to, to setting the expectations real high and then watch us be like yeah man you're right about that um, well i don't i don't know that you and i are going to vehemently agree on some of these or disagree um, vehemently disagree on some of these topics but it's going to make somebody angry i guarantee it well we wouldn't be doing our job right if it didn't and with that in mind uh welcome everybody <laughs> welcome. all of our <laughs> listeners here and, and we, by the way, before we get too deep in, we we appreciate these folks, right? We we oh, really do. We so. do. Um, it is uh, week two of our new season, and uh, happy new year again for those who uh, are tuning in for the first time this round. Um, it's so been... we're recording this on the fifth of January, and, and uh, you won't hear this for another week. But it is now the twelfth day of Christmas, so this it is, is the very the last day of Christmas. Tomorrow is Epiphany. So, and you uh, know what? You know what Christmas puts me in mind of? What's that? Family. Oh, you see, I knew. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. So, before we go down this path about family and Christmas and 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 everything that we have to do with our families, maybe we ought to tell tell the good dear listeners where we are in the family dynamic. Just a thought. Well, we could, but it might spoil all the fun for it. So I think we've spilled this this pot of beans before, but uh, for anyone who who's uh, new to our show, um, Mike and I are brothers of the in-law persuasion. Right. Our our wives are sisters, not sister wives. Our Just wives are sisters. Wives with four sisters. Yes. And, and you go well, ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say we've we've now been in each other's company. Um, for over a decade at least it has been it has been but, but, yeah no and and our dynamic's pretty cool because you and i are just brutally honest with each other you know i can say charles you're really pissing me off and you can say well you are too pally <laughs> so <laughs> well you know one does what they can with their time um, that's right but but you and i don't have a problem communicating it when we're we're uh not digging on the other uh, which doesn't, folks will be, I, I probably dismayed to hear this, doesn't happen very often. But anyway, um, but. It's, so you, you mentioned this communication thing and, you know, the, I don't know about the rest of the world. I can't speak to that, but though I have a feeling we're not unique here in America, but we have gotten to a place where it's a common understanding. Don't talk about that around the table. Yeah. Don't don't bring that up with that family member. Don't 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 go there. Just don't go there. Well, and you even wrote it in one of your articles for the paper where you said, you know, we don't talk to Uncle John or whomever it is about this subject or that because he's just crazy about that stuff. And, and sometimes let's admit John is a bit of a wackadoo. I mean, he know. he very well maybe or maybe you don't know his experiences and his opinions are built from his experiences and that's okay. You can agree well, to disagree. And that's, that's absolutely true. You're the, we cannot be a hundred percent privy to what's going on inside someone else's head. We don't have that technology yet. Um, 
and 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 we need to as decent human beings leave space for for that learning and patience and and expectation that maybe we will never fully understand what's motivating someone's behavior or attitude um all we can do is do our best to remain interested and curious and open to uh you know it's interesting you hear this all the time but i think there's a real truth to it whatever your roadblock is has nothing to do with me right right you know what i mean if 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 we can't have this conversation it doesn't mean that i somehow am the ruination of of the relationship it, there are all kinds of factors that drive why two people or a group of people relate to each other the way they do communicate or fail to communicate with each other the way they do uh, respond to certain stimuli, be it a subject matter or a tone of voice or a color. I don't know <laughs> the way they do. There's, there's just an infinite number of contributing factors that are involved in why people are the way they are with, for themselves and with each other. And we can't expect to have influence over all that. We can't. And, and I'm, but I'm going to say something that will be controversial. And I, I've just got to get this out of the way up front. If you are over the age of 21 and you want to know who it is that is the root of your problems, you need to pull your wallet out and look at the picture on your driver's license. <laughs> Once you're 21, you don't get to blame mommy. You don't get to blame daddy. You don't get to blame your wicked siblings. You are responsible for you as a grown adult human being. And, and I'm sorry, that's just brutal truth. I think Michael Jackson had a song about this. It wasn't so much I'm working on the man in my wallet, but it was something about the, the man in the mirror. That's right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I um, forgot it. <laughs> but but I, I'm being dead serious because I am tired of talking to my peers and I'm not a young guy anymore. I got a lot of gray in my beard. And I hear them blaming daddy and the father wound, or I hear them blaming mommy and, and her, she was mean, or they had an older sibling that beat him up or the nun at school when they went to Catholic school, cracked him on the, the knuckles with the ruler. They were probably acting a fool, but that's another comment for another time. And, and I, I get tired of it. You're, you're, you're almost, you're in your fifties. Get over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I think that part of what we're, you know, we need to be cognizant of the way we are uh, treated as children does have lifelong lasting effects. Sure does. That's a reality. <laughs> sure does. But at a certain point, we need to be able to acknowledge that that happened and start making choices about how we continue to respond and incorporate it in our behavior. And it's true. There, that That doesn't just go away. We're going to be dealing with with early life rooted influences for the rest of our life. But at some point it's no longer okay to say I'm just a victim of it instead of simply realizing it's an ingredient to the larger soup of, of who I am. And there are a lot of other ingredients too. And the more ingredients we add with every experience and passing year and life and relationship and so forth, the less significant any one particular element is, even if it's a, it, it was a major, you know, traumatic experience. Um, 
we can't allow it to be just a crutch or an excuse to drive our no um, we can't and, the rest of our and, life <laughs> and you know it's it's the story of our father-in-law uh may he rest in peace his dad died when he was eight years old in 1948 he died he, he was on a boat they don't know whether he drowned or had a heart attack uh, and I, one, think, uh, I think if I have the story right, uh, he spent the rest of his life in therapy and living in a institute. He was a revolutionary educator who helped integrate Newport News public schools back when integration or segregation was a thing. He founded the middle school system here in Newport News, along with his partner, a man named Crawford Smith, who came from the black community. Uh, he was well regarded, highly regarded in his circles, uh, then went on later and after his retirement to work with NASA in their education programs, raised, uh, he, ra he, he raised, started to raise four kids. Uh, the, the oldest three were adults when he passed away. The youngest one was still uh, a teenager, but yeah, he, he had a remarkably positive career, a, a long marriage and, uh, was a genuinely, and unfortunately you never got to meet him and, and it's a tragedy, but he was a genuinely decent human being in every regard. You know, I've never once heard anyone uh, offer a negative statement about uh, what they, they refer to him as uncle Billy. Right. Um, and you know, while I'm sure he wasn't a saint, uh, the memory and influence that he left behind has been nothing but a positive one and anyone I've, I've ever met that, that knew him. And, you know, the, the, obviously that's, that's a really wonderful version of a human being to be put together f out of somebody who had a rather unpleasant tragedy happen to him uh, and his family early on in, in his life. Um, it should be said that uh, he had a very strong mother, as I understand. Yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> certainly, um, Two sisters, I believe. Two older that, sisters, correct. That were also strong women, and these were all major influences in his upbringing, um, in the absence of a, a father figure, so to speak. Um, but that's not an unusual story. No, those things happen all the time. They're not fun. I mean, that's it's not like it's not tragic in every circumstance, but it is not an uncommon tale. Um, and yet, there are many occasions where. The absence of a parent, especially fathers, seemed to be a major issue um, with with the way people respond, whether it's the absence of or the the misbehavior or abusive nature of of a parent. Again, not always a father, but often we hear about the father having, you know, something that was wrong with the father's behavior or treatment having the lasting effect. Though I would argue there are plenty of people who've had difficulty with their mother figures. Absolutely. That's not a unique brand no. as far as troubled parenting goes. Um, but here's the thing. How do we deal with it? And when do we, when and in what way do we establish, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, limitations, healthy borders. Uh, you know, I've, when, when you have to finally say, okay, here's where I'm drawing my line in the sand, so to speak, if that's an appropriate thing to do. No, no, I think it is appropriate. And, and I, I, I have some opinions. I think some of them are based in wisdom and, and some of them are based in personal experience. And, and I, I'm not saying I'm 100% right. These are opinions. And I, I think when a relationship is absolutely toxic, 
a word that is, uh, that, that's often used these days. Well, and I mean it in the traditional sense where there's nothing positive. You walk away, you've been made to feel like a big pile of steaming, you know what, <laughs> by the person who, who's, quote, family, unquote. And that doesn't happen one time, but it happens every time. And so that's what I mean by absolutely toxic. Mm-hmm. I think, and if it's a parent, I, I realize there's a challenge, particularly in our Judeo-Christian society, where we're told to honor our fathers and mothers. But I don't think cutting them off and explaining it in a very calm and rational way, saying, you know, and I'm, I'm, my dad's great, so I'm not picking on my own dad, so I'm going to just use him as an You know, dad, I love you a lot. And every time we interact, it's not a good thing. But so consequently, I think it'd be just best if we don't talk. And if you need me, I'll be here for you. But please don't call me unless it's an emergency. Period. End of discussion. And some people do have to do that. I read an op-ed in the Los Angeles Times that was done in November of 21, so two years ago, that based on their statistics, one in four adults in this country the U.S. is estranged from their family in some form or another. Wow. Now think That's about staggering. that. <laughs> That's staggering. No, think about that. <laughs> I, I, I am clueless, apparently. <laughs> it, 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 you know, and, and a, this, a different article also, interestingly, in the, no, this one, I'm sorry, is in the New York Times, um, looks in, and, and it, it's an old, uh, an opinion piece, uh, but the title of it was what's ripping American families apart. And in their calculation, at least 27% of Americans are estranged That's one from four. a member of their own family. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. So um, that's, it's wild. that's, that's yeah. insane. It's insane. Now, I don't think you can say it's always the kid's problem because it's not. No. No, you, well, I mean, it's, I don't think you can make anything about it's always no. anything. There's always going to be a, a, a variety of, of influence. But I will say that, and, and I am speaking from personal experience, there are times where a relationship, whether it's uh, family, pa- parental, child-based, uh, marriage, whatever, there are times where th- you, if there is a way to move forward, it is not apparent. Right. And, uh, counseling certainly can be an influential, uh, part of that, but sometimes there's just nothing there. There's nothing to work on. We have an entrenched sense of stubbornness coming from one party or the other, and that might be yourself. I don't know. Um, but there's just not going to be a way forward. And at what point is the long-term happiness of yourself or the relationship or your children or whatever it is better influenced by departure. Well, and and I agree. And and sometimes you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, I'm, I was thinking as you were talking and, and I was listening to what you were saying and one in four on the surface sounds staggering, but I think we also need to realize with, um, Three out of seven first marriages fail. Uh, I think half of all marriages overall fail. So, uh, you know, and what that means is people have second, third, and fourth spouses. So they're they're upping the number of failed marriages. Um, mm-hmm. But that means there's a, 
a step parent involved, and that often leads to a lot of tension. And, and so one out of four in light of that thought that hit me while you were speaking is probably not as staggering as it was on the surface. You know, mom, I love you. I can't stand that man you married. It's or interesting. Vice verse. You know, there are, there are a number of elements here and, and there is an element of traditional vis-a-vis uh, modern uh, values that come into this. And what's interesting is that when, when I say that the values I'm talking about, unfortunately are rarely rooted in genuine happiness and growth. It's a sense of duty value. You know, we, we think that, you know, when we look at the divorce rate being so much higher in a modern uh, day, uh, measurement than it was uh, 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, whatever we want to look at. Well, do we think that's because marriages were so much happier 50 years ago or a hundred years ago or the obligation, the sense of obligation to stick with it regardless was much higher. I, I think know. the answer to that is yes. And, and I think in some cases people didn't quit as easily. That's your third, fourth, fifth marriage. Mm. <laughs> Number one. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think to your point, there are some people that were in those, as I called them earlier, uh, toxic situations that would have stuck it out back in the day who, who, you know, and, and where a husband and or wife who's being physically abused says, I don't have to put up with this anymore. And I'm walking away. And, Which and, I mean, that's a healthier place to be. Right. Yeah, right. My humble opinion. I, 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 and we're not going to argue on that. I mean, if you're being <laughs> physically abused and, and by the way, folks, half of all abused spouses are men. Uh, if you're being physically abused. I would say abused period, because right. I, will, I will speak for my own family history without going into too much detail. But having witnessed the, the long-term effects of psychological and verbal abuse, I will stand here uh, tall as day and declare the, re- the long-term results are as deadly well, there's certainly, there's certainly emotionally and mentally debilitating and which leads to physical right uh, decline. Yep. Decline. Yes. Without question. Agreed. Agreed. And, and so there is a level of discourse that uh, is no longer civil and results in physical pain. And, and so I think we're t- still talking about a form of physical abuse in this case. Uh, that doesn't mean by the way, uh, and, and I am a good Catholic boy, that doesn't mean I'm endorsing divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage. I simply say that you walk away and, and you don't put up with that. And the church would say that too, by the way, just so folks know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Well, and, and you know, to be, to be balanced in this, that isn't to say the first time we have a disagreement, I'm out of here. No, I mean, that's fine in a dating context, I suppose. But if you actually want a relationship to work, effort is going to need to be made. I mean, there is no, the, 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 the outwardly happiest couple in the world still has their issues. There's Absolutely. An, and, and I would argue <laughs> I've met people that you couldn't draw a comic book family that was more perfect in their outward uh, presentation. I mean, just smiling and happy and all the, da, 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 da. And I swear that 
there's something rotting in the closet of that household without every question. family's yeah. dysfunctional it's just a matter of when and how they're dysfunctional okay. your family is not unique in its dysfunction uh yeah, and no, by I, the way if you live in that if you grew up in that idyllic household please by all means write us and tell us but i have yet to run into someone who once i really got to know them there wasn't something that came out where you went ooh. and, and by the way my family too my family too. Well, no, all of us. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because I I do strongly believe in not airing dirty laundry. Okay. I I can't stand. Uh, you know, I, this may raise some eyebrows, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, th- I may have mentioned on on a previous episode there was an article that came out, um, or or uh, not a, an article, a meme, I think it was in social media, that showed like Will Smith. Uh, you know, showed emotion when his wife said she was had cheated on him on live TV, and uh, some other celebrity I forget who it was showed emotion when something happened on live TV, and there were three or four other examples of celebrity figures who got all kinds of emotional and and and, and messy in some personal revelation that happened in a live setting, and the article's point was so we shouldn't make fun of these people for showing emotion which men are told they're not supposed to do and then when they do do it uh you know we now make fun of them okay it's point i don't have an issue with but the measurement it was making was of people who chose to live their private moment publicly right right you chose to be on that tv show you chose to to tweet or air or video or whatever it is, these these very deeply personal moments in a public way. And while it maybe is mean-hearted that people made fun of you for your honest reaction, why the bleep did you put that out there in the public sphere in the first place? Absolutely. There are just some things that are nobody's business outside of a marriage, and you don't share it, period. End of discussion. That being said, I, I had, uh, I, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, my wife and I rarely argued before COVID. Uh, it happened, but it rarely happened. And all of a sudden the stresses of being locked up in the same house together for what was it, a year and a half we were locked up together. It, it, it showed a toll. And I think that goes back to my previous point. We're all dysfunctional. It's just a matter of when and where. <laughs> and so, well, I would argue though, you know, this is where the, the, concept of dysfunction comes in two people having a healthy disagreement and maybe even a dare i say fight that's not dysfunction no that that's human relationship and it is more functional to have a quote healthy disagreement than it is to bottle that up or pretend it doesn't exist and you know end up either just miserable from your core or chopping somebody's limb off in the middle of the night. You know, there are all kinds of extremes. Oh, yeah. But- oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure those folks who've been chopped would rather they had heard about this much sooner. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah. But, so, but here's the thing. on So on one hand, you know, not airing your dirty laundry as if it's some kind of, of uh, social media extravaganza, that's probably a healthy choice. On the other hand, constantly pretending that all is well in the world when really there is some rot that needs to be dealt with 
is also not a healthy choice. No, it's not. Whether that's, you know, between the two people engaged or seeking counseling and having a third party or just talking to a good friend and a trusted a person of counsel that can then, you know, offer maybe an outside perspective. There are all kinds of routes to dealing with real things that, you know, are, are, are not necessarily, there's something wrong with you. It's just called being human, but we don't have to be at these two extremes. Either everything's out in the street or we just pretend to be Stepford wives and husbands. And by the way, they weren't happy families. So no. <laughs> leave it no. at that. I, I, I think, you know, it, it is, if I think a healthy dynamic in a relationship is you can be open and candid and disagree and know that the relationship is solid. And so when my wife and I disagree, I always make sure to pause every couple minutes and say, I'm not happy with you at this moment, but I still love you. And I think that's important um, to say. I, I, I also, you and I have discussed this multiple times. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt for a kid to hear their parents disagree. Oh, I vehemently agree with that. We, uh, you need, they need to learn how to work they things need to out. See how, it, how it works. That's right. And by the way, the other thing I'm going to say, and, and this, I shouldn't be controversial, but unfortunately, it probably is. If you and I get in an argument. And we're discussing what's best for, we'll say my little boy. And we're hmm. arguing about what's best for my little boy. You're not arguing with me because you don't like me. You're arguing with me because you love that little boy. And, and if we're both arguing what's best for him, it may not be fun, but it's a righteous argument to have. It is, and and you know there are other dynamics in that example that that have to come into play. I I, you know, one's parent is one's parent, and absolutely. When, but you are family. You something, <laughs> well, and, you know, I think I think we had a conversation um, when you were up here a couple of weeks ago, and I I started it by saying, look, this is not my child; it's your child. It's not my place to tell you what to do. I just have a thought to offer. And I don't even remember what the context was. I, I don't either. I remembered it wasn't even a heated discussion. We, I said, "Yep, you're right." <laughs> this <laughs> well, is one it of those. Wasn't, it wasn't being done right. It was just a, a, an observation I had made, and again, I genuinely don't remember what it was about. I do, and and you were correct, and and you weren't being a jerk about it. You you were just saying, "Hey, this this is your you know you're his dad, but this is what I'm seeing." And I said, "You know what? You're right." And, and if it comes from a place of of love and concern. Even if I said you were wrong, you you told me what you thought. How can I be offended by that? It's funny how many people find a way. Now, <laughs> I suppose if I said, Charles, you're DA, what you're doing is wrong and you need to, to fix your ways, and I'm talking about your son, then I'm probably not in the right. <laughs> well, because my, now, my approach now, was pretty terrible. Way. <laughs> there are situations where somebody, such as a parent, um, may be abusing a child. And, you know, after a certain amount of respectful observation and maybe gentle language, maybe it is time. Absolutely. For, for love, loved and respected ones around them. And that doesn't just mean family. That can be friends. That can be teachers. That can be anybody who is involved and informed in the situation to, to speak up. 
uh, still respectfully, but perhaps with a, a certain strength behind them. And it's hard to have a chart that tells you when that is. I know our government mm-hmm. likes to do things like that. This is the line of demarcation where we've crossed the, you know, par- parental rights will be refused or whatever. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, there are elements where people do try and measure this. And I would argue that is completely out of line um, in, in most cases. Uh, right. Now, if you're taking a bat to your kid's head, Yes, absolutely. There needs to be. Example, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing that child, unless the child's coming at you with a gun. <laughs> right, right, know, right, maybe, right. Maybe there is an exception. I don't know. But, um, you know, I don't mean to make light about that. These terrible. Well, if there's violence things. involved and you're defending yourself, that's different. But, but, yeah. and we're talking about teenagers usually at that level. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think if there's an abusive situation going on, there is an, uh, I, and I'm not talking. He's using it's a raised operation yeah. to, to, to speak up. Um, and but, in but, some cases, depending on the relationship, a legal obligation, I believe teachers, and you would know this better than I, I. You do. You, you have a, a, a law-mandated duty to report what you suspect to be abuse. Yeah. And the law is very specific if you even have an inkling. If you're 99% sure it's not and you're 1% wondering, you have a legal obligation to report it. So... Not a duty to take lightly, though. Uh, no, no, and it was it was not my favorite thing. I, I had to do it a couple times as an educator, um, mm. and, and there is a part of you, no matter how righteous you think you are, and and I I knew it was the law. I knew I had to do it. You still feel like you betrayed a family. You do. You don't. Well, get over and the it. and the ramifications, both short and long term, can be utterly devastating. Of course, you know, which and it can. I, I'm sure it has been on occasion. I'm saying it's always this way, but I can imagine some other r- relatively minor things being misread, misinterpreted, have turned into major uh, disruptions for families over somebody trying to do the right thing. Of course, um, and you know, every every child, every parent is different. You know, what works in a soft and gentle voice for some may require a stronger hand. Uh, not literally, uh, in others. And to somebody else who's using their own uh, definitions and and interpretations and standards to now impose that on a situation they're not familiar with, and people do this all the time. I believe there's a a term uh, for for people who butt in when they really shouldn't. because it's a name of somebody, Karen. Yeah, we we won't we won't use it here. But but there, there are but a couple, and and I've been calling the male versions Kens, by the way. So I apologize to all the Kens. Okay, not Barbie. All right, but um, the the concept though is 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 important, and I think that when we, you know, it's like the old saying, I don't know what porn is, but I'll know it when I see it. Right, right. And and I sometimes I don't know what abuse is, but. I think generally, if we're honest with ourselves, we know it and we see it, and we know when we don't see it. <laughs> well, you, you know, know and it's just putting a child rightfully in their place because they've stepped out of line. That is not necessarily an abuse. No, no. And I will, I will share a story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna couch it a little bit. But when we were at your house, uh, I'll begin by saying this little guy in this house is spoiled rotten. It, it's very obvious he's spoiled. His his parents are older. Uh, we, we pretty much, he, he's, you know, the apple of our eyes and, and he gets away with a lot of, of stuff. And 
Uh, he was busily having a meltdown one evening and I said, I will take him. And I walked off with him and I put him in a safe location. He couldn't be consulted. He would, didn't want to be held. He didn't want to eat. He didn't want to drink. He didn't want anything. You were there. You saw it. He would shake his mm -hmm. head. No, at everything we offered him. I said, that's fine. We're going to go out here. We're going to sit down. You're going to be safe. And I'm going to read a book. And that's literally what I did. I put him, I think in the middle of the carpet in a room in your home and let him have his little meltdown. And, um, and, and I sat and read my book and we had a family member who was there who just thought I was horrible for doing that. And, and I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, well, but, I was actually, I was going to say myself, one of our tribe did, yeah. disagreed with that approach that uh, felt strongly that after a certain amount of time, intervention in a fit must take place. And well, here's, here's the problem. I took all those education classes. And what they told us, what, they, what the professors taught us was that when a child is in that mode, that what's going on in their brain, and they've watched the synapses on children who are actually having an actual fit, not a, mm -hmm. a temper tantrum that's a show, but an actual uh, fit. Yeah. Their brain is going from extreme anger to extreme pain, a loss, sense of loss or loneliness so fast you can't do anything to stop it except wait it out. And, and mm -hmm. so I knew that. And so my parenting style comes from a knowledge of brain chemistry and how your brain works. And so he was perfectly safe. Uh, it didn't last for hours. It was, it was a few minutes. Now it was a loud few minutes. And at the end of it, he jumps in my arms. He puts his head on my shoulder and he does the, you know, when he's been crying too hard and he was fine, but you're right. One of our family members thought I was just being horrible and you cannot console a child in that point at that point. Well, to be, to be fair, uh, the, the individual didn't think you were being horrible. No. Uh, they felt that all of us were because all of us were in agreement except for that individual that, you know, let the kid cry it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, <laughs> we're not talking not hours. Talking, didn't hurt himself, you know. <laughs> we were talking minutes. They were perfectly safe. The child was perfectly safe. And and he's no worse to wear for it. But, but I think, uh, I, and, and by the way, I, the person was more than after it was over, I explained my reasoning and logic and they didn't have a problem with it. They just disagreed. And that was okay. Well, here again, to your, to your point earlier, her, uh, I just gave the gender away, but that's okay. Um, her, her disapproval was still based in what she felt was the, the child's best interest. It of wasn't course. you're wrong. And, and, and this, it was, it was about her, you know, tr trying as a parent herself to think of what is best for the child and her heart was in the right place. Absolutely. And that's okay. That's and okay. ultimately, you know, she stated her opinion. It was responded to. And when it didn't move forward as she would have preferred, she excused herself from the room and that was okay too. That was perfectly <laughs> fine. And you know, if, if I had to go do something, there were other adults in the house that would sit with him until he was calmed down. Uh, and by the way, this isn't me going off in a room. I was, it was right in front of everybody. You could see me across the house. You guys have a pretty open concept. So I was probably what, 35 feet away from you all. <laughs> so. see, and I, I pr prefer the basket approach. I have a basket that hangs from a tree out in the yard. Just <laughs> no, you don't, don't even say that. And, and the wolves can get to, and I just put the child in there and let them swing it out. <laughs> <laughs> you are rotten. That is not true. Um, now, in, in our own home, what I would have done is I would have put him in his, in his room and, yeah. and I would have sat on the chair. Uh, and 
so and we can continue to go down this path. So we we took. Oh, a that's, young... we're, that's going into parenting one hundred and one. Yeah, and let's let's not go too deep. Yeah, let's. The, but the family the dynamic is, was the important yeah. part there. So. And, and the fact that in in the family dynamic in that setting is, you know, parenting needed to happen, and and the rest of the family in their own way was supportive of of watching that and and, and doing what we needed to 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 encourage it and and support it. And and so that worked out in the in that element. But um the substance of of the subject for the today, I think, and and I'm speaking, you know, very much for myself, though I don't think it's a unique perspective, is what do we do when we have a family member or loved one, somebody f- for whom we really do have a sense of obligation and and um you know responsibility a contract, if you will, to, to maintain some form of engagement, um, at least socially speaking. Uh, but when there's just a, a point at which for some reason, personality, psychology, history, whatever, there is a breakdown in the ability to associate in a healthy way. And, you know, I've, it could be a, a parent-child relationship, a sibling relationship. And I don't like the idea of being part of the statistic. One in four adults in America are literally unable to engage with their family. On the other hand, some family members are unengageable. <laughs> you know? So where is the healthy balance there and how do we... Uh, pursue that because I'm quite certain many of you listening to to this program have probably in some way or another either experienced this for yourself or witnessed it in somebody else who's close to you. I, I, I and it's, it's, it's a, it's a forever question. Um, there, there are boundaries and limitations with even family members that you as a adult need to set. And, um, I, I do think you need to set limits, you know, uh, and again, it's not something that's happened in my family, so it's not an attack on my mother. But mom, you're not going to talk to my wife that way. You you can speak to her as long as you're respectful. I'm fine. But the minute you cross that line, then you and I have, in the words of my one of my favorite comedians, Bernie Mac, we have a discrepancy. <laughs> and you don't want to have a discrepancy with me. And so, and I'm not being funny. And I love Bernie Mac, but so I had to work that in there. But but you do have to set boundaries and limitations if you're an adult with other family members who are adults. Now, now kids get a certain degree of latitudes that don't adults don't. And if that person continually abuses and ignores those boundaries and limitations, there has to be a point where you say, you know what, mom? And again, this is not my mother. I'm just using this as a mom. This is my wife's home. This is her home. You can't come in here because you always disrespect her. If you would like to meet me for lunch, you'd like to meet me for supper, I'll make time for you, but you're not going to come in this home and abuse my wife. And that's not disrespecting your mother. That's not dishonoring your mother. That is honoring your wife and protecting her from a toxic situation. And I think the same goes for you personally. If, if it's constantly beating on those boundaries and limitations and you've told them in a loving and concerned way, that's not going to happen. Now, what if you're witnessing it in a relationship within the family, but not your own nuclear family? 
Mm. So I'll give an example. Um, a non-specific example. Yeah, uh, be, be but, ca- let's let's pick on your mom too because that's who we're picking on. <laughs> but you know, let's let's say for example, I'm watching um a, an interaction regularly between my parents, for example, um that is unhealthy and the idea of bringing my nuclear family, wife and son or whatever, to visit home when this continual abusive relationship is playing itself out in, in subtle and gross ways, uh, you know, do I try and, and again, I'm, this is all hypothetical, uh, you know, do, do I simply say, okay, I can't affect your relationship, but I don't have to expose my family to it, um, which is not an unhealthy choice. Uh, do I, as a child in this relationship, even if as I'm an adult child, um, have an obligation to intervene, which could throw fuel is, on that fire. Is it, is it life-threatening or physically abusive? Well, and here again, I I argue that even if it's not directly physically abusive, psychological I, and verbal abuse is just as damaging. I, I don't it, disagree. I think if it's not an immediate emergency situation, you remove your family and, and yourself from the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come back and you say, uh, and we'll pretend that mom is picking on dad. Uh, and you mm-hmm. say, mom, uh, dad, I, I saw what happened. Uh, I support you and love you, but I can't have my child exposed to this. Uh, I'm here for you if you need me. Please don't hesitate to call. And, and you do it with the other person as well. You say, hey, I observed this. Uh, Who did I make the bad guy, mom? <laughs> yeah, mom, but it's interchangeable. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, mom, I saw what you did to dad back there. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. If you need to get counseling, I'll be happy to take you there, but I can't have my son exposed to this or my wife and I'm not or myself or myself. And so when this starts to happen, understand we will leave. And now you've set a boundary and limitation for your immediate family. And it could be uncle Steve and aunt Jean. It could be whomever cousin Paul and, 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 and his uh, spouse, John, whomever. I don't care. Um, I, I don't want my family exposed to this and I'm doing this to protect myself and my family. And do you think that's unreasonable? Or, or no, not that- at all. I, I, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking of certain uh, relationships I've witnessed within my own family, not, not immediate, but extended or otherwise um, where, you know, now that people are gone, I'm older, I've got a different sense of maturity and, and perspective, I often wonder, should I have, was, A, was I obligated? And even if I wasn't, should I have made the choice to become more engaged years ago before it was too late? Here's the issue that I... Or was walking away and just removing myself the better choice or not, or, or trying to find some balance in the middle and always having that struggle what do what do we do in these you know without just simply abandoning ship which is what tends to happen now obviously and one in four people just say screw it and bounce i think here here's the issue and i i've talked i i did a lot of drug enforcement in my my coast guard career so i've talked with a lot of law enforcement officers uh and, and in particular when i talk to folks who do local law enforcement they don't like getting those domestic dispute calls because they end up always being the bad guy. 
and, mm. and they never turn out well. And, and so I've heard the tale and I'm sure it's been around a long time of, of uh, the officer rolls up, sees the wife uh, getting pounded by the guy, immediately thinks the guy is the bad guy. And it turns out the wife had pulled a gun on him or whatever. And in, in the end, they're both angry with him <laughs> and he's the one yeah. who gets blamed uh, or she, or, by, or she, whatever. I, I've heard that story so many times. Um, and, and, you know, here's the issue. If you intervene and it's Uncle John and Aunt Sally and, and Aunt Sally's abuser and Uncle John's the abusee and you go to Uncle John, you do risk the, the, the um, mind your own business, get out of this and don't ever speak to me about it again, even though you watched him getting abused. And, and that's where you got to evaluate your relationship and figure out if you can even speak to this issue. Um, you know, I, I have five, I have five siblings. Uh, I'm the oldest of six. I'm closer with some than others. We don't have a dispute over anything. Uh, there's no reason why I'm closer to some than others. It's just, it's, it's more of a common interest and, um, we're we're also spread by many years. So some of them I'm not as close to because we just didn't grow up together. And um, there are some I'd be perfectly comfortable having that conversation with and some of them I would not. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, we're not, we're not under the expectation that there's a, a, a clean black and white line to, to no. identify this stuff. It's family dynamics are complicated and there, again, as we said in the beginning of the episode, there there are so many different factors, personal and outward, that uh, that contribute to what the nature of of these relationships is. And there is no one solution. I think the best you can do uh, is have a, a sense of of uh, healthy boundaries for yourself know, ethics and, and so forth. And no, you know, at least try, because a lot of times we say, this is, this is what I'm not going to put up with. And then we get to that line. Suddenly we find ourselves there and suddenly we're starting to negotiate with that line again. Don't. You know, <laughs> you know because I mean? <laughs> that line was drawn when you were rational and, uh, and not emotionally involved. Engaged, yes. Yeah. yeah. When it hits that line, you say enough's enough. And and I'm not a counselor, and I think anyone who's dealing with these issues should probably seek some professional help if they feel it's needed, uh, or, or guidance from a close uh, uh, personal friend who who's a little more dispassionate about the issue. We're just two guys talking. That's all we are right now. We're neither of us are professional counselors, neither of us are clergy. Uh, we're just two guys talking. But I, I think um, if you draw a line, first off, I don't negotiate with terrorists and, and emotional blackmail is a form of terrorism. And mm. so I'm not going to do it. And if you're trying to emotionally blackmail me, uh, and again, I don't, I don't have this issue, but you're my brother. You should stop. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Um, I, I don't do it. I, I won't engage in it. And I don't negotiate with terrorists and, and, emotional blackmail, you're trying to get me involved in an issue I don't want to be involved in, nor should I be. This is between you and your spouse. He's not beating you. She's not beating you. You're safe. Deal with your stuff. And and uh, the problem is when you pick a side, pretty soon the person who wanted you to pick a side makes who the bad guy? You. 
<laughs> well, so there are a couple thoughts that that you bring up because you know you're not you're not wrong. Um, some people are simply not equipped to deal with their stuff the way you know you, as you, as you intend that statement to be. And you know, the, as I as I was saying, you you and I and many of our listeners, I'm sure, are relatively strong people, which is to say, in most healthy days of living we can assess where we are, where our relationship is to the world around us and the people we're interacting with, understand what's acceptable, understand what isn't, and deal with it in a relatively direct and healthy way. Let's hope that's the case. Even with that having said, there are days where we are all capable of just being in a weak disposition. And I don't weak, not meaning as an insult, but just we're not as... We're susceptible. uh, Yeah, we're still human beings. And so we may find ourselves a small V victim to circumstances that in in a better day we wouldn't have been or allowed ourselves to be. But there, there are people who just simply cannot hold their own under certain circumstances. Um, You know, in some cases a, a person can be uh, incredibly strong and in de- defensive of themselves when they need to be in a work setting or as a parent or, or, or amongst their friends. But when it comes to their spouse, they just crumble. And, and they, will, they always have. It's been an established expectation and practice from the get-go, or it has something that's developed over the years. You know, the, the things, again, there's no uh, equation that explains it all. And... And they just simply cannot stand on their own two feet when it comes to uh, defending themselves or standing up for what's right or whatever the case is. And, you know, while that is a failing, it's, it's also a human thing too. And when we see that, do we have an obligation as part of that loved one's community to somehow try and intervene? Or do we just simply say, look, I'm seeing this. I want you to know that I see it. I want you to know that I'm here for you when and if you're ready to, uh, to, to accept the help. But until you are, I don't know what else I can do about it. And I just, I can't be around it anymore. That's a tough question. And, and it's a, it's situation by situation, uh, answer uh in, in general and, and if you're an only I, I should add not to interrupt excuse me but i should no, add please. the reason that the consideration has to be taken and as as far as how you respond whether you're the child or the friend or the sister or whatever uh sibling but if people aren't ready to receive help and there, we know what we mean by that yes there's nothing you can do i think there is and if you're an only child, it's going to be hard. Uh, but I do think if a group gets together and delivers this news, that is a, a good place to be. You know, if you and I and and our wives and another family member and their spouse, uh, if, if we've all observed this and we go to Uncle Jim and say, Uncle Jim, Auntie Jane, we've noticed this behavior. We don't approve. It needs to stop. You don't come, don't to, tell me how to run my family. Do I come to your house and tell you how to run your family? And then we say, that's great, but we've observed this. Auntie Jane, I think it was Jane. I don't remember the name I used. We're here for you if you need us. What else can you do? 
well, that's that's the place, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, you you you're you're there for them. You'll support them. You'll support the person who's the perceived victim. And again, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I, I've seen the couple many many times, and I've seen it in students too, where you think that the the aggressor was the one you observed to the behavior and they were simply responding to something you didn't see. And, uh, you know, auntie Jane may be beating uncle Jim in the head with a frying pan in, in the four walls of the home. And you don't know what's going on in those four walls, but when they're out in public, then that's when uncle Jim feels that he can defend himself. Um, no, it's true. It's true. And, and, you know, like you say, if 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 it's to a point where you feel some form of conversation is is in order, then you have it in the healthiest way. If you see somebody who is in danger, you know, um, and I think we know what we mean when we say in danger, um, and 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 we don't feel we have we're we're equipped to intervene on our own or or it's not appropriate, then you know maybe an authority does need to be brought in. But like you say, that's that's a very hard card to draw. Um, because the long-term ramifications or short-term ramifications. Right. You, you may be sacrificing a relationship or two. Yes. Well, there's a good chance you are. And I think that fear is what may cause a lot of people to, to pause um, and maybe just not go forward at all, especially in some cases where maybe they really need to because nobody else will. Nobody else is seen and nobody else is is engaged at that level. And, you know, it's, it's a very difficult, difficult place to be. And, you know, with, again, without being overly specific, you know, I've witnessed those kind of relationships in my own circle and do our best. Um, But sometimes our best never doesn't always feel like it was enough. You know what I mean? I I saw a situation and I'll, I'll close with this story. I saw a situation where a, Spouse came in to her to their family. I almost gave it away. She came into their family and said that my partner is abusing me mm-hmm. physically. And so three of the siblings got in the car, went over, and basically beat the other person up. And it turns out it was all made up. Oh, jeez. That's yeah. the other thing to bear in mind. And uh, it happens more than we like to admit. It, it happens. I, I've heard numbers regarding other accusations where three out of three out of ten are false, uh, four out of ten are false. Uh, you never know. You never know. And, and I, I, I agree. If you're observing it, that's different. But I'm just saying, be very careful. Be very careful. Well, and, and that's, that's when you're out there, protect, you know, trying uh, to protect uh, someone else. Um, but it's also equally important to protect yourself. And, you know, if, if simply putting a separation in, and again, not just obviously in physical abusive situations, but in verbal or psychological, um, again, that can be just as, as, as harmful. Of course. It can manifest in different ways. It can manifest in physical ways. It is important to to be able to recognize it, get the help you need, whether that's in counseling or amongst friends and trusted people, 
uh, and and to find and identi- identify and and act upon healthy limitations and boundaries. And if you don't know where that is or what that looks like for you, or you are afraid of a ramification, you know how many times have people been in questionable marriages, but they stay in it for the benefit of the kids. This is this is a common tale. Yeah. And are the kids really benefiting from that? Because even if you're smiling when they're in the room, you think they can't tell when you're beating on each other behind the bedroom door? Well, I will I will share that story, and it is a personal story, and I will share it with, with you and everyone who's listening. Uh, I remember, because I've been divorced, and, and I remember when I sat down with my two sons and said, uh, your mom and I are getting a divorce, and they both looked at me and said, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh you don't think that uh, we haven't noticed dad <laughs> and now they were older. They were, they were teens, but, but yeah, they, they know already. Come on. As the song goes, children will listen. And <laughs> right. um, the, the bottom line is even if they're young and unable to verbalize a, a, a baby, let alone a young child can feel when there's anxiety and angst and issue and it affects them. And that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that, you know, you get divorced at the first, you know, argument. And in fact, and again, as we said before, and I still stand by this, I think it's important for children to witness their parents disagree in a healthy way, not a fairy tale way. I mean, maybe downright have a, an outright argument and, and fight, but then see that, you know, when the foundation of the relationship is strong, we can have a strong disagreement go through that process and we still love each other and we're in our family is still strong. That is a good lesson for a child to learn in my humble opinion. Um, but unfortunately the line between that and, uh, no matter how much abuse I'm receiving verbally or otherwise, I'm going to stick here and put up with it. And that's the lesson you should learn as a child too. Well, that's not so healthy. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And, and I, I, you know, while we were talking, I, I, I pulled up a list. Uh, this is from a uh, socially conservative site, so I, I assume that these are are probably really um, about as as basic as you can get. And, and so they give you six pieces of advice for this. They say, know and set your boundaries. That's number one. Number two, be direct. Communicate your limits clearly and fairly to others. Number three, seek support. Whomever, a family member, whomever your ally is, get your allies. Expect some pushbacks. People are going to get angry. Be cautious about what you share. I, I think mm-hmm. that's important. Sometimes we over talk mm-hmm. and overtell. And then the last one, which is, and it's just verifying two guys on the internet talking, right? Be ready to walk away. And this is from a counselor of a socially conservative bent. So I, 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 I would I, add to that. I would sure. add to that. Don't make a hollow threat. No. If you if you say you're going to walk away, if they, it happens again, you got to walk away. Because <laughs> if you don't, then it does then it can happen again for a hundred more times, and they know you're not going to leave. Right, right. So at least that's their expectation, and they have no motivation to stop. So if you're in danger, we're both encouraging you to get help now, not tomorrow, not next year, not not next week. Uh, violence against spouses is real, and, and within families is real. If if it's a violent situation get help. If it's a emotionally and verbally abusive situation, get help. Please. There is a number you can call. I'm happy to share it. Please uh, do. It's called the National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. What, what's that and number again? 
It's 1-800-799-7233. And there's also a a text uh, start to 88788. 88788. Yes, please, please leverage those resources. Please go to your pastor, go to your 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 counselor friend see somebody do not stay in these bad bad situations uh I'm don't do it for your children's benefit no nope. don't do it for your parents and and the community's expectations or what you think people will judge you you know i think people deep down do know even if they try and convince themselves otherwise i'm sure that's not 100 percent always true but i think most of us do know in our gut when something is genuinely not right Amen. And, and by the way, I will share this again. It's, it's not to, to dismiss folks who aren't from the same bent I am. It's to simply say, we're pretty darn conservative. And my aunt, I'm not going to mention her name, but one of my aunts was in an incredibly abusive situation with a man who was suffering from what we now know as PTSD after the Second World War. And um, we're hardcore Bavarian Catholics in my family. And... Um, she finally, finally walked away from the situation when the abuse moved from her to her youngest child. Mm-hmm. Finally, she walked away. And when she went to her priest and confessed her sins, the priest said there was no sin there to confess, that she had done the right thing for her family. So I, I, I just, I can't think of a reason you stay in a situation that's abusive like that. I just can't. So. Now it's worth saying that's that's the extreme of what we're talking about. Of course, our of initial course. talk about uh, family dynamics sometimes it's not about an abuse. No, sometimes you just have to set boundaries and then and, wait for someone, <laughs> and say and wait for someone to come to their senses. And and maybe you're the one that needs to come to your senses. Maybe your boundary. That, well, and that, never <laughs> underestimate the 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 possibility that you're the wrong the one in the, who's wrong. Absolutely. You know, if if my boundary is that until you vote for uh, Joe Biden, we can't be family. Well, I'm the idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Ooh, them be fighting words. <laughs> but my point is that that regard. I'm not saying you're an idiot for Joe Biden. I'm saying if that's your irrational boundary, that's not fair to family. You're going to have differences of opinion. You can be civil about it, and you can still enjoy Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner together. Just understand that you don't agree on Joe Biden. <laughs> it's okay. You're still family. Um, but but so yeah maybe maybe your boundary is silly uh, but maybe your boundary is right and if that's the case then walk away walk away and this walk is away. what friends and loved ones and and people who who you trust around you are for talk you know it's amazing how many times you can speak to somebody and you know receive an insight that just you weren't going to find it on your own staring in the mirror you have to get an outside perspective so frequently. And sometimes it confirms exactly what you 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 were uh, suspecting. In other cases, a good some, friend will put you in your place if they need to. And sometimes your brother-in-law will say, you know, you might want to rethink that position. <laughs> Not my <laughs> I mean, brother. Yeah, well, or, or mine. But he may <laughs> just say that. And if he says it and you got a good relationship, you may say, hmm, maybe I do need to ponder on whether I'm not going to be friends with anybody who voted for Donald Trump. So it just... I will say this, though. There is no substitute for open and direct conversation. Not, not disrespectful and not rude, but sometimes the truth can feel disrespectful and rude. And the fact is those words needed to be said. And you don't have to scream at each other. You don't have to. And maybe it's writing it. 
Maybe you can't have a, a verbal dialogue, so you put it down in writing. And you say, I'm writing this because every time we talk, we end up yelling. But uh, I need you to hear some thoughts. And, you know, if you're willing, I'm, I'm open to hearing your thoughts in response to this. And, you know, there are all kinds of different methodologies to try and continue the, the lines of communication. At some point, uh, there, is, there is a circumstance where there is nothing else you can do. The, the person is just simply not in the room with you. And, you know, you have to also recognize when that limit has been hit. And now, okay, what are our options? But um, that is an extreme setting. Uh, I, I have one relationship where I can say that that is, a, that is the reality. Um, but I won't air it on, you know, out in the street. No, we, we don't need to put it out there. <laughs> but, you know, there but, are, but, it, but it is something that can happen. It does happen. And you also need to be able to realize, you know, it's okay to acknowledge when you've done everything you can do. Amen. And, and I, I, I appreciate that we both were able to talk without, about this without airing any dirty laundry. Uh, other I think we did story, pretty well. <laughs> other than the story that I told about my own divorce and the story about my aunt, whom I did not name, everything else was made up on my part as far as the situation, though I've seen it in for no, real. No, we did have the family member who disapproved of oh, that. Things. That was real, too. That was real, that was too. Real too. <laughs> yeah. But but other than those three, I think everything else, when I said Aunt Jane and Uncle Uncle Jim, I don't have either. So it's... it's yeah, uh, no. I have them, but they're all dead. Right. Um, so so read into that however you want. <laughs> yeah, so no, my my point being that that the rest of the things where we said they weren't true, they weren't they were or not that they weren't true. That they were uh, using false names for things we've actually observed in our, our lives. So the names and, and of by days the way, have changed to protect the innocent. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and by the way, I stand by my 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 first comment that I made in this. Uh, if you want to know who's responsible for your problems, pull out your wallet look at the picture and deal with him, deal with him. Well, and, and to, to, to shine a little clarity on that, if, if, if you don't understand what that means, you cannot, and this is a fact, you cannot change, forcibly change someone else's behavior. No. You can request a shift. You can suggest a shift. You can encourage and plead and beg if you want. And maybe it'll happen, but there is absolutely no way that you can crawl inside someone's head and heart and make them do and be who you want them to do and be. At that point, the only obligation you have going forward is to decide how your behavior and your response will be to that person, that individual, that situation. That's the only thing you can control. And so when you say, look in the mirror, look at the, the picture on the, the, the ID card. That's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Sometimes there is a situation with an individual or an organization or whatever it is that is untenable. And at the point where you are able to recognize that now you have some decisions to make about your own behavior. Do I adjust myself so I can make this work or, or do I set a boundary and a limitation and say, okay, no more. And you know, whatever that is, and there's no right or wrong. Every situation is different. Absolutely. Um, then, then you have to move forward. And the only person who's can be responsible for that is you. Is, Amen. Is and, and that's going to be the last word on this topic. So uh, for now, for now, we may revisit it again. Uh, we didn't get to everything we wanted to, which is not abnormal on this show, but 
if you have opinions, I, I bet we'd, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, I don't bet. I know we'd love to hear from you. Charles, how would they how would they share with us and tell us how wrong we were about everything or fuss well, with us because again we didn't argue too enough. Well, this is this is the fact, Jack, and uh if if you'd like to let us have it as it were, uh put us in our place, do so by writing civil discourse TNSS. That's this is not a safe space at gmail.com. Civil discourse TNSS at gmail.com. All right. And we're going to post those numbers on the, the site. So if you could text me those later on after we finish recording, I will put those on with this episode. And so we uh, have. And, people- and, and, and let me just go ahead and repeat that because Please it is do. important. If you're in, if you're finding yourself in a questionable situation and you're concerned for the safety of yourself or other loved ones, especially children around you, it's called the national domestic violence hotline, 800-799-7233. And you can also text 88788. Call that number, 800-799-7233. Do not put off till tomorrow what may not make it that far if it's serious. Yeah, we don't need any more victims um, in in caskets. Please, please, please. Or in hospital rooms. We we need you to call that number now. Now. Don't wait. One more time. I I hate to make you say it again, but one more time, please. No, absolutely. It's 800-799-7233, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. All right. Or text 88788. Or just, you know, write us. If if you need to, to bounce some thoughts and ideas off your head, don't hesitate to reach out to us, civil discourse, TNSS at gmail.com. We'll let so you know what is, is not. Yeah, we, we have people to thank. And I'm going to start by thanking two. First, I want to thank you uh, I, once again for co-hosting this wonderful show with me and, and for all of your your passion and your insight and your wisdom. Uh, you still haven't admitted I'm right about everything. We'll get you there. The other person mm-hmm. I want to thank, I'm going to Hold your thank, breath, please. Please hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> the other person I want to thank, because I've been working with him a lot lately, is your nephew, Parker. Parker has been doing a lot of the engineering here lately. Uh, he and I exchange files on a regular basis. I just want to thank you, Parker, for all you're doing for this show right now. We appreciate you, and uh, it, it's great. I, I, I enjoy working with you. I get him the files, and within 24 hours, they're back in my hands. So. I, I, I can honestly ask. say he's he's the best millennial I know. <laughs> I know a lot of millennials. Uh, last episode, I shared the best one of the best millennials I know. So anyway, uh, uh, and if you missed that episode, you need to go back because it's a great episode. Uh, so anyway, those are the two folks I want to thank you and and your nephew Parker. But I know we have a couple others uh, to thank. Well, absolutely, Parker, of course, and our original and and ongoing uh, support network and. Uh, engineer and editor and just general good guy who's there for us when we need him, Keith Zadroyovi. Uh, we wouldn't be here today without uh, all he did and continues to do for us. Um, the Lazarus Trio, I, I think we have some new music. Yeah, uh, the new the Barbara music was new on this episode and the previous episode, and we're going to run yep. with that for season two. And by the way, I wrote a lot of music, so we'll have different bumper music every season. So. There's many seasons to go. So right. uh, we, we are grateful for Carl Groves, uh, you, Mike Koniger, and the and the Lazarus Trio. You know, it's funny, you, you, you call yourselves a trio, but it looks like a duo. I don't know. It, it is a duo, and, and someday we'll talk about that. Though we do have a drummer, uh, uh, 
a guy named Kevin Thomas who's just absolutely amazing. The problem is you got to go play to get Kevin to be in the band. So <laughs> at some point, <laughs> at some point, we're going to have to actually go play. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sounds like a plan. And uh, and thank you guys, listeners. Uh, this this is while we enjoy rapping with each other, we really uh, are thrilled that uh, you you join us each week. And if you're thrilled to be joining us each week, it would mean the world to us if you would uh, hit that like button, give us a good review, and uh, on on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and music and uh, wherever else you get your podcasts from. Yeah. And uh, it means the world for us. And we will be back next week with more civil discourse. Not a safe space. See you now.